Welcome to Explore, Teach, Conserve, or the ETC podcast by the University of Minnesota Extension, where we talk with people about exploring, making discoveries, and solving problems to better manage our natural resources, and we share ideas to help you learn more and get involved. This is an older episode from when we used a different title, The Naturalist, but the conversation and ideas are still fresh. If you enjoy it, we hope you'll subscribe and listen to more episodes of Explore, Teach, Conserve, or the ETC. Hi, I'm Santiago from U of M Extension, and this is The Naturalist, a podcast that aims to explore the various topics within the world of Minnesota natural resources, all while trying to capture great stories and talk to people about the environment. This week, we're talking forest restoration on the North Shore. What's involved, what are the challenges, and how are landowners getting involved in the process? So, who are we talking to today? Well, I'm Mike Reichenbach, University of Minnesota Extension Educator, work in forestry, work with uh, non-formal education classes for woodland owners. I'm Dwayne Lula. I serve as the coordinator for the North Shore Forest Collaborative. Uh, I've got a, I'm a professional forester, got a long history of working in forestry-related uh, agencies, um, and am now semi-retired. I'm Molly Thompson, the executive director of Sugarloaf, the North Shore Stewardship Association. And our organization, part of our mission is to work with landowners on forest restoration along the North Shore. And we partner with Extension and the Collaborative and a lot of groups to help get that work done. All right. Well, thank you all for joining me. And I've noticed and I know that you all do a ton of work regarding restoration on the North Shore. And I think a valuable question to ask is why that's important and why that's currently needed. And I know y'all do different things with that, but coming back to it, why is restoration so important when it comes to the North Shore? Okay. Well, from, from my perspective, and I, I started traveling up in the North Shore in the 60s, um, the what was and what most people noticed of the North Shore is the birch forest and as that birch forest has aged um, it started to decline it started dying um, we've had some ice storms and and those birch are, are falling apart now now that kind of asks the question of why was this a birch forest and this is the right place for a solid birch forest and I think the answer to that, really we need to look at the settlement history um, of the North Shore. And so when we look at how the North Shore was settled, where there was uh, forest clearing, where there were fires, it created ideal, ideal conditions for birch to regenerate. So we have areas um, up around Tofty that were burned um, in 1925. Um, birch seeded in came in as a pure stand that's an early successional species it's the first species that's on the site and birch on the north shore they live about 80 years and then they start dying and so that's where we're at with the forest on the north shore we're, we're really at 90 years some of those are 100 years old and um, we were left with birch and so you think about what was there 
prior to the birch. It was more white pine, more northern white cedar. Some of the longer-lived conifers were part of that. Birch certainly was part of the North Shore, um, but it wasn't pure birch stance. And so we had this longer-lived conifer. And it's trying to introduce back into the system a seed source for that longer-lived conifer, something that will go ahead and, in 100 or 200 years, um, create a very resilient forest. And the question is, you know, often asked, well, what happened to those conifers? You know, why didn't they come back after the fire? And, you know, there's several reasons for that. One is a, a lot of the larger white pines uh, were logged off. Um, you know, they went to build the booming communities uh, at the turn of the century, uh, the, the last century. Um, and so the, there's, there just wasn't a seed source to seed back in uh, in order to uh, replenish those conifers. Uh, a lot of the cedars, um, they just got burned up in the fires, the big fires that were there. And uh, even some of the seed source that is there now um, doesn't get a chance to regenerate uh, the conifer seed source uh, because of the deer population. Uh, and the deer in the wintertime tend to migrate to the shore because the snow depth is less, it's a little bit warmer. And anytime they can find a white pine or a cedar, it's like candy to them and they munch it right down. So uh, the restoration that we do uh, get involved in, we have to try and do things that will prevent the deer from eating those trees until they're out of reach. Now, um, going off that, is there a part of the, the forest up there that serves as an example of what you want to achieve, or is most of just the North Shore just that uh, kind of needs the help to get back to where it once was? Well, there is the uh, encampment forest. It's uh, between the two tunnels when you're going up 61 after you come out of two harbors. And we use that as an example of a forest that has still has the large white pines on it close to the shore. Um, and and cedar, you could see large cedar. They have been affected by deer, but they there are still a lot of the large ones left in there. There are spotty patches, other places just outside of Beaver Bay, there's a nice private property, but those are generally kind of few and far between as you go up. But we usually use the encampment forest as the best example. But that, that even, even that isn't a, a, a well-functioning uh, forest because again of the deer browse uh, while the the large old trees are still there the young trees in the understory the young conifers are not there because they've been browsed so encampment is also involved in the restoration effort uh, and working with nature conservancy uh, to manage those lands and and actually uh, uh, do some reforestation underneath those old trees so that in the future there will be younger trees to take their place mm -hmm. Now, some of the challenges, you mentioned deer being one of the major challenges now. Is that widespread is it, or is it just one section of the shore where it's the most challenging? Like, do you have other challenges associated with the rest of the North Shore Forest or is it mostly on the shore aspect of it, like you said earlier? The deer come down to okay. the shore, all the whole, the whole realm of the shore. They come down because that's their winter 
yarding area, warmer or less snow. So the whole shore, but you go inland, if you're talking about further inland and up the hill, yeah, there are less, there's less of a problem inland because all those deer have come down to the shore in the winter time. Okay. You know, there's a lot of them in that big area, then they all, I mean, there's, they're spread out up in the arrowhead mm -hmm. and then they funnel down and get to be much more dense down on the shore and impacting us all the trees down on the shore yeah i would say that deer would say. are a problem probably wherever you go in northern minnesota in terms of forest regeneration it's just a very intensified program yeah. on the north shore and right. and when we talk about restoration of the north shore we're pretty much talking about from the shoreline of lake superior two three or four miles inland up from the shore um you know, kind of once you get past, you know, up on top of the North Shore Highlands or the North Shore Mountains, as people refer to them <laughs> here, um, the problem is is less severe. And, and literally, um, the, the hardwoods and the maples are probably more native to that area mm -hmm. um, than they are closer down to the shore. Mm -hmm. You know, where are some of the steps that people are you guys take to kind of, um, or where, where are some of the steps being taken to kind of limit the impact of deer on the regeneration process? I'll go ahead and start with that. I, I think, and I want to give credit to uh, Dave Ingerbertson, um, retired Department of Natural Resource Wildlife Biologist for coming up with um, an idea of planting 10 to 15 trees and fencing them, doing a good job of planting um, and, and then protecting those trees with this welded wire fence um, that's um, somewhere, you know, five, six foot tall, three foot, four foot diameter cages, individual cages for the trees. Um, and, you know, I, I think out of all the protection measures that we try to do as foresters to, to protect large numbers of seedlings from, from deer, um, or even large exclosures. This individual tree exclosure on the North Shore, this idea from Dave, is, is working very well. Yeah, we, if you go inland, you'd easily see the difference. You know, they can bud cap the pieces of paper over the top of a tree mm -hmm. um, inland. But then when you come down to the shore, it's where fencing is needed. We found bud capping just doesn't work. The deer will just take the piece of paper off so that's what we've had the main thing we do is the fencing of trees and sometimes people have done larger exclosures but the landowner really has to be on top of it because a dead birch tree breaks off and lands on your fence and that's a little opening and the deer are in there and they wipe out all all the trees that you've planted as opposed to if one single exclosure gets hit and knocked out and kills one tree so the single exclosures have been the way that we usually recommend with most landowners. And, and we talk about uh, landowners and land managers, and and that's one thing that's kind of unique to the to the shore is there are many many players uh, there. There's uh, the private landowner, and most people when they think of Lake and Cook counties, they think of it as predominantly government land, and that's true when you look at the county as a whole, but when you look at that area that's right down close to the shore, uh, the landowner is actually the largest, um, or the private landowner is actually the largest landowner uh, segment that's, that's close to the shore. 
but there certainly are other players in that. The the DNR, um, uh, obviously there's the state parks. I think there's, what, eight state parks up the shore? Yeah. And um, so they are a major player. There's uh, state forests, um, uh, wildlife management areas. Uh, scientific and natural areas. Scientific and natural areas. And so the DNR owns a considerable amount of, of land on the shore as does the Forest Service. Once you get up to about Tofty and then uh, north past Grand Marais, uh, the Forest Service has considerable uh, ownership there and Lake County as well, Lake County Forest. So, so those agencies are also involved in some of the same types of restoration efforts that we're talking and, and participating uh, in this restoration effort that looks at the North Shore as a whole. But now, is having so many people and stakeholders in that specific area, is it, has it been fairly easy to work together to kind of towards this common goal of restoring the North Shore? Well, that's a, a really good question because I, that really kind of gets at the heart of um, how all of these different players have come together to try and work together. Um, and... Uh, can't remember the exact quote. If I had it in front of me, I, I can cite it. But it uh, it was, um, you know, together we can accomplish more than any one of us could have accomplished individually with regard to restoration. Um, and so, probably back in 2011, yeah, uh, the North Shore Force Collaborative was an idea that. Uh, got raised of we have all these different agencies and we have all these private landowners uh, that you know some of them want to do something some of them are not even aware of the situation how do we all come together and discuss and address this problem and that really was the formation of the North Shore Forest Collaborative and what that collaborative works to do is to tie all of these ideas all of these different agencies and all of these private landowners together to work towards that common goal of restoration. Now, uh, that's really interesting. I, I didn't know how that came together, but um, looking at it now, how, how does it compare to that initial stages? Well, I think like with any organization, it takes a little while to get established and, and, and to get moving. Um, but I think over the last several years, the, the collaborative really has taken off in terms of uh, being able to get projects accomplished. Uh, one of the benefits of working together is that um, applying for uh, funding and grants in order to do projects is much more attractive uh, to those grantors when they see different agencies and private individuals working together. Um, and so uh, the Forest Service uh, um, and the DNR and Sugarloaf uh, have worked together to get grants that accomplish restoration on all of their properties. Um, the, uh, the Collaborative and Sugarloaf have worked together uh, to get grants that uh, help private landowners with uh, with fencing materials and with knowledge and information. And then just the different agencies like the private forest division of the DNR 
and the Natural Resource Conservation Service, they also, I mean, there are some of their missions are to work with private landowners, and so they're gearing them towards these restoration efforts. So, um, so it, it really has helped uh, push that effort um, and, and grow it. And, and I, we think that um, where we are right now is nowhere near uh, where we can ultimately be with uh, trying to accomplish this restoration. Yeah, I'd like to add a little bit to that. You know, the individual organizations of the North Shore, individual landowners, were, were doing restor restoration work back in 2019, you know, 1999 when I started here. But it was it was um, individual efforts um, aimed at, at kind of individual goals. Um, you know, some of those might be to restore the, uh, the logging uh, yard at Sugarloaf, the North Shore Stewardship Association, from a red pine plantation to something a little more resilient. Um, you know, some of those were the the Department of Natural Resources, uh, state parks were doing a lot of planting and a lot of individual tree exclosures. Um, but when the collaborative came together in 2011, people started talking about all of the work being done to restore different areas, mm -hmm. and and I think that's really what sparked. Well, what can be done? How can we help a landowner restore? these long-lived conifers and so you know 10 to 15 trees per acre and not maybe on every acre but get a seed source out there those ideas started coming up without the clarity I, I don't think we would have gotten there and, and all that said this is a very long-term proposition I mean I think we're talking about within the North Shore Forest Collaborative area I think there's something like 270,000 acres so it's like from the shore to three and a half miles inland and from uh, the Knife River, um, the border. essentially up to the Canadian border. Uh, so that's a lot of acres. Even if we restored a thousand acres a year, which we're currently not doing, it would take us 270 years <laughs> to do that. Um, and even when you do plant the trees, people will drive along the shore and go, well, it still looks like dead and dying birch to me. Um, you actually won't see those trees until they're, you know, six, eight, or ten feet tall. Um, and at that point in time, they're definitely beyond the reach of the deer. And so, you know, the fencing can come down and be used for uh, planting other, and protecting other trees. Uh, but but it, is, it is a long-term effort. And as Mike said, um, those few trees that we're planting per acre really are there to serve as a seed source for a future generation of those long-lived conifers. Now, that brings up an interesting point, is do you find it difficult to convey that message, to con convey the timescale of this project to certain landowners or different parties within the area, trying to get them on board, that type of thing? Or is, is it come, come easy and do people understand the situation that it's going to take a long I've time? I've seen change just in about 11, 12 years I've been around um, that our, the first lost forest class, landowner education class I was involved in with Mike, um, those landowners, it was more, can we get our birch back? How do we get our birch back? How, you know, that was their main question. And now with our current class, 
these are different folks, but the, that's not really the question anymore. The question is more, how do I make my force healthy? So obviously we've seen a little bit of a mindset change with the public along the shore, but definitely there are people um, that still need to learn, especially like new people buying those cottages on the shore and all their ones that um, there's a lot of education needed. But there seems to be a bit of a change of mind of what the shore can be. Part of it's probably because most of the birch are dying pretty good right now. And uh, when we started out, there was still a lot of more healthier looking ones. But I think the attitude's changing a bit. Um, there still are those landowners, I think, that, you know, they are never going to quite understand or want to understand. They have a different thought of how they want to use their land. So, I think that um, certainly uh, getting the word out is, uh -huh. you know, that's an effort. Um, there are people that are not knowledgeable that, you know, hey, that tree may have a dead top on it, but it's still got some green leaves yeah. on it and I'm good with it. What's the problem? Yeah. Um, on the other hand, uh, as more and more people get involved in restoration, they talk to their neighbors or their neighbors see that they're doing something and wonder what's going on. So that word is spreading. And what we've seen from people that have participated in some of these programs is they are aware that this is a long-term a long-term solution. Most of them talk about I'm doing this for my children and I'm doing it for my grandchildren. And I realized that, you know, when I first came up here and my grandpa talked to me about how there were these big, huge cedars and big, huge pines, and, and I never saw those because I was of two generations down. Just as that happened, I'm now doing this for my grandchildren so that they will be able to see those trees. So there is that realization that, that it is a long-term uh, process. So the, we've done interviews with uh, what we call the, the Lost Boars Project. It's a um, education program for woodland owners along the North Shore. And those woodland owners have, have told us, those cabin owners, you know, they might own a half acre, they might own 200 acres. But, but they've told us that, that the reasons they come up to the North Shore is because they, they, they love the, the, the natural setting, they like the lake, this is something they're very connected to. So when we think about, you know, is this a hard message to get across? It, it, for most landowners, this is very easy to accept. And then when, when we talk about a specific action of planting, uh, and I'll go back to the 10 to 15 trees per acre and fencing them, it becomes very something they can do, uh, both from a cost standpoint and, and from time. Um, and, and that's often a barrier in other restoration programs where uh, forest restoration can be very, very expensive. In, in this setting, we can break it down into um, some simple steps over a long period of time. How did that program get started, the Lost Forest program? How did that get going and, you know, how was it back in the early days? Well, back, back in the early days was... Uh, <laughs> It was Sugarloaf, the North Shore Stewardship Association's idea. Um, they they saw a real need, you know, that that yes, they saw that they were doing restoration on their their own property up at the the nature center up up near Schroeder, um, 
but they said you know we need to we need to go ahead and get this word out to people all along the shore and so they knew about the Minnesota Department of Natural Resource Forestry's um, stewardship plans and planning program and said we we might be able to combine some educational resources and information um, and some stewardship planning for landowners. So the first group of people that went through this program um, worked with a consultant, got a stewardship plan, uh, and also the University of Minnesota Extension um, was contracted with to go ahead and put on um, 80 hours of instruction for, for cabin owners and woodland owners on, on forest restoration. And so it's grown from that to, uh, I believe we're in the third, third group. Fourth. Fourth group. Yeah. Yes. Yes, because right. this is my third. This so is that's, the fourth yeah, group. Yeah, this is the fourth group. And so a total of, uh, we're, we're probably on about 80 or 90 yep. landowners now. Um, that have been through this this type of educational program, um, and still lots of interest. And and that program we hope to continue, but we also hope to supplement that um, through something we call a neighbor to neighbor program. So all of these folks that have been through this more rigorous training, I would say, with the university and having visits to land and, and talking about and doing restoration on their lands, we hope that some of those will become what we call ambassadors and then they will go out to their neighbors because it's it's a it's a peer-to-peer -peer kind of learning of, you know, you, you live next door to this guy and you know him pretty well and this family is, is doing some things on their land and they can share that with their neighbors and so then we hope that that will be kind of like a chain reaction that will help spread the word and spread the knowledge and techniques far beyond what um, you know we might be able to do with more limited resources with more intensive or formalized training. Yeah, it's kind of putting together that, that sense of community that is right. very important when it comes to a lot of conservation science and, and restoration projects. And, and the North Shore uh, is like a community. I mean, it's a very long and narrow one, um, and certainly, you know, uh, has many different players in it. But I think everyone has that sense of, uh, you know, being part of the North Shore community. Yeah. Uh, and is that kind of in the early stages? Is or, you know, what, what the goal? The goal for that would be to incorporate it into current projects as like a addition to the current class or is it do you want to have it separate as an optional part for people who went through the lost forest class and then well it is in the early stages uh, but we hope uh in in working uh with the university help me out with the title of that program northeast sustainable Simple, part yeah northeast minnesota sustainable development partnership has, <laughs> there we go has, we're, we're working with them on this neighbor to neighbor program and and so over the the next three years hopefully later this summer we will launch that program and and get some of these ambassadors trained up and then over the next couple of years they will filter out into the community and start spreading the word and the knowledge um, so yeah it's just at the beginning stages but something that we've certainly uh, been thinking about and now uh, working with the university, it looks like we have got the uh, 
uh, ability to go ahead and, and implement that program. So we have, we have some high hopes for that. That's awesome. Now, uh, are there any other programs that are that I'm kind of missing here? That We have our reduced cost fencing program for landowners. Thanks to the generous uh, donation from a private family foundation, we have been able to offer fencing. We should mention that they're the yeah, Weeks, the the Weeks, Weeks family, family Foundation. foundation. Is that okay, and they, uh, out of Wisconsin, I'll add that. <laughs> um, they uh, give us a, a, bunch of, a bunch of money to offer, to purchase fencing, rolls, um, rebar, and mats to uh, we purchase it through two private what we call them lumber yards or I don't yeah, know what you just, call the one in two harbors yeah. but they off they uh, purchase a fencing for us and then we offer to landowners at approximately third, a third, third of the, the cost. retail cost yep because while the trees are really inexpensive right the fencing you know is somewhat prohibitive for private landowners to to provide so um they get a 50 foot roll of fence and six foot fence yeah six foot high fence with uh two rebars to anchor it and then uh mat to protect it the mm -hmm. seedling from competing vegetation and um that would normally cost probably about eighty dollars or so at a big box retailer for all of that and we provide that to them for 25 or 30 dollars yep and, and it's a very popular program right we had about 100 landowners last year um, in fact last year 2017 we had to the funder generously gave us a second amount of funding to be able to reach 100 landowners after we quickly sold out to 50. yeah the um, demand was very high so uh, this year they've provided the funding to fund for approximately 100 landowners it'll work out to uh, how much how many rolls of 512 fences? rolls of fencing yeah. and um, yep I think last year uh, with that much fencing that was used it was I think it was a couple of thousand trees yes. that were fenced and then in addition to that those people that participated in the program also planted like another 5,000 uh, or more trees um, that didn't need fencing, trees like spruce and some other species that the deer are not that enamored of, so they don't necessarily chew them down. So there was a big yeah. reforestation effort as a result of that fencing program, just even beyond the trees that were fenced. And that's really amazing that we're able to do that from that private foundation donation that that our partners haven't been able to do but this family is so interested in restoring the forest on the North Shore this is direct on the ground work that's being done by the landowners so that's been great and probably one of the most popular programs that the group has been able to say they've done that really shows we're working with the private landowners so That wraps up for this episode of The Naturalist. We've been having a conversation with Mike Reichenbach, Dwayne Luba, and Molly Thompson about forest restoration on the North Shore. 
If you want to learn more about any of the programs discussed here, or just forest restoration on the North Shore in general, feel free to log on to sugarloafnorthshore.org. Thanks for listening and have a great day.